Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of May 15th through May 17th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So I hope everyone's hanging in there. Uh, for me, this past weekend, I actually watched my first POVD film uh, in Scoob from Warner Brothers. Uh, the critic reviews weren't the best for it, but you know, as someone who grew up on classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons, I pretty enjoyed it enough. Um, you know, at the time of recording, uh, we don't have total numbers yet for how many people watched it or how much money uh, Warner Brothers made off of this. But it did premiere uh, at number one on the same day it came out, which is actually pretty good since Trolls World Tour uh, took about a day to get to the top of the various digital storefronts. And Sonic the Hedgehog uh, took, I think, like, uh, started off at number five and before it came out the second day to number one. So, um, you know, given the conversation the past few weeks about Trolls World Tour and Universal uh, beefing with AMC, you know, there's obviously a lot of stuff to unpack here. Uh, for one, you know, uh, the Scooby Doo franchise has been one that, you know, over the past what 30 years uh, has had like 30 different dvd directed dvd films so this isn't exactly new territory for them which is why there might not be as much of a hullabaloo um you know with regard to uh moving directed vod um you know and even you know if that wasn't necessarily intentional on warner's part um however you know while there is stuff to unpack with scoop actually there was another movie uh coming to streaming that i wanted to talk about uh which is probably the bigger news of this week at least in my opinion. And the news is that Disney announced that the theatrical release of the hit Broadway uh, musical Hamilton would move up from the October 2021 release date uh, 15 months early to July 3rd, 2020. So that's only a month and a half away. So if you've somehow missed it, uh, Hamilton is the super popular Broadway hip-hop musical adaptation of the story of American founding father Alexander Hamilton, as written and performed by MacArthur Grant recipient uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, he actually has another one of his plays coming to theaters next year uh, in the Heights. So when Hamilton premiered in 2015, it was instantly a, a pretty big success. Lots of critics, you know, really liked it. Uh, it. It was nominated for record-breaking 16 Tony Awards and won 11 of them, including Best Musical. Financially, you know, also pretty much of a massive success. Success. Uh, it's currently the seventh highest-grossing Broadway musical of all time, uh, with 612 million dollars over the past six years. Uh, number one, of course, is The Lion King with 1.6 billion. Although Hamilton. Hamilton has had only one fifth of the total number of performances that Lion King has, um, whereas you know it's only it's already made up one third of the total amount of money, so it's pacing ahead. Um, you know, part of what drove Hamilton to widespread success is its soundtrack. Uh, even if you know you may not have seen the production, which you know most people haven't, it's either on Broadway or maybe you're lucky enough to see it on the national tour. Um, most people have at least heard at least some of the songs. Uh, the cast album debuted at number twelve on the Billboard charts and climbed as high as third, which is pretty astounding for a, a musical cast album. Uh, so, you know, so in, as in most cases, with most Broadway plays, the original cast would end up moving on to other projects. Lin-Manuel, for example, no longer plays Hamilton on a day-to-day basis. Um, however, before that happened, they actually filmed three performances and edited them together with the original cast. Uh, it was originally for a documentary that came out uh, in 2016. Um, and then earlier this year, in February, it was announced that Disney had acquired the distribution rights worldwide for the film for the price of $75 million, with, again, the original October 2021 theater release date. Um, we have now know that that was originally one of the stipulations of you know, the uh, producers of the Broadway play. Now, a couple things to unpack here. 
first off, you know, unlike other musical uh, musicals from Hollywood, you know, in recent years like Les Mis, Cats, if you call it a musical, uh, Into the Woods, um, you know, uh, The Greatest Showman, um, the upcoming Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story, you know, they're not producing a completely new film uh, and casting, you know, well-known actors. They're just releasing footage that they already had that I had captured in the theater, right? So it's a very different experience than, you know, a full-on Hollywood adaptation. Uh, kind of like a concert movie would be the best analogy for this. Kind of like what Fathom Events does. Um, you know, if we look at the highest-grossing concert movies in history, uh, the number one of this is Justin Bieber's uh, Never Say Never from 2011. That grossed $99 million worldwide, about $73 million here in the U.S., um, that had a production budget of $13 million. So, you know, this $75 million investment from Disney is huge, much bigger than, you know, the, the Justin Bieber movie. Um, if we assume the best case, Disney gets 65% of the exhibitor split that they usually do, um, they would have to gross... Uh, $115 million worldwide uh, to break even on this from the box office alone, you know, before even accounting advertising costs, which in the end, for a full theatrical release um, worldwide, that's we're looking at about $100 million in advertising budget, right? So uh, most people, you know, rightfully so, I think, assumed that this would be a Disney Plus play, you know, get some money back from the box office for sure. Um, but the big play would be to put this on Disney Plus to bolster their repertoire of, of uh, films that you could watch there um, to get either new subscribers, you know, people who weren't for some reason already subscribed to Disney Plus, um, or to get people who might, you know, think about leaving to say, hey, they have Hamilton on. All right, we'll, you know, spend another couple of months to be able to watch this here. Um, especially, again, for all the fans who are really fans of Hamilton and who would not be able to see this, you know, because they are not near or whether the U.S. the national tourists or uh, they're nowhere near New York, we're not planning on visiting New York anytime soon. And you know, as someone who lives in New York, even if you live in New York, it's no guarantee you're going to be able to see it at a reasonable cost. Um, tickets are like two hundred plus bucks, and you know, I was entering the con the 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 lottery every day for ten dollar tickets. Still never got it, but I'm not bitter. Anyway, again. The producers of Hamilton, the Broadway play, wouldn't want this move to theaters and eventually the streaming to cannibalize revenue from people coming to Broadway. You know, hence they did push it out. They say that Disney, if you want to do this, you can only put this out at least a year away from now, if not more. Um, the idea being that you know Broadway would continue to see revenue from those wanting to see it on the states. You know, even if it wasn't if it wasn't the original cast. Um, you know, they would eventually broaden the story and broadening reach the story, something Lin-Manuel Miranda has said that he really wants to do uh, with this play. You know, so it seemed like a win-win-win here for all parties. You know, uh, the producers, you know, get $75 million from, from distribution. Disney gets something to bolster their Disney Plus, plus a little box office revenue. And Lin and all the Hamilton fans get to see it, you know, in the comfort of their own homes. Now, obviously, we are in a very different world compared to three months ago when this was all first announced. And there's no additional revenue coming in from Broadway since, guess what? All of the Broadway plays, theaters are closed now. Um, fun fact, actually, well, not so fun, but uh, Disney has officially announced that the frozen Broadway uh, is not going to be coming back after, you know, the theaters reopen. So they had their final, um, you know, curtain call back in March, unfortunately. Um, so, you know... On top of that, in the Disney Plus front, you know, 
they've done pretty well with everyone's ultimate in place. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But I'm seeing more and more conversations online of people saying, you know, hey, Disney Plus doesn't really have that much for adults. It's great for kids if you want to go back and watch classic stuff. But in terms of like new original series and original content, there's not that much out there beyond what they instantly launched with, primarily The Mandalorian, which I guess for comparison was about a $100 million budget for eight weeks of, you know, programming. Um, So, you know, there's, if there's not a lot of material on Disney Plus, and plus a lot of the programming has been delayed because you know of coronavirus coming on, um, moving Hamilton early does allow them to plug in that hole. Um, they have still committed to a 2021 release date. Um, you know that is that that news did come out that they are committing to a release date, uh, either limited or full. We don't know yet which. Um, and you know this lets them fill in their uh, during quarantine. Uh, uh, programming block in uh in Disney Plus, um and also some are speculating that move by moving Hamilton out of the October slot in 2021, it allows them to move another film to take that date. Um or you know another speculation is they're playing nice with Sony and they'll join Spider Man Venture, uh, the next Spider Man Far From Home, uh Homecoming you know uh franchise uh, installment in that series comes out in early November, so you know they wouldn't be competing with that. Um, and again, the other part is that for Hamilton producers on Broadway, uh, they're not getting any additional revenue from Broadway right now, you know? Um, so that, that kind of became moot at this point, like them trying to get additional revenue, that doesn't really factor in for them at this point. So this would be a way for them to keep the Hamilton brand relevant, uh, especially in this time when Broadway and when theaters are struggling. Now, given the hullabo, you know, a couple of weeks ago about Universal and planning to move more things to BVOD or directly to digital, uh, you may think that theater owners such as AMC would be upset. On the contrary, there hasn't been much focus at all over this. Uh, you know, from one perspective, you can think that, okay, theater owners, they're not seeing that Hamilton has the potential to be a huge blockbuster like Mulan or Black Widow or Wonder Woman or Tenet or James Bond. Um, and, you know, so, you know, it's not one of those more liquid, financially lucrative films. Um, and so they're not going they're not upset about it moving to DVD. They're not going to be missing out on that potential revenue. Um, you know, this is kind of like the same reason that, you know, even though Artemis Fowl or Scoob recently got moved out, you know, the forecast for these weren't, you know, long range. They weren't super high in the amount of money that uh, those films would make. So they're not upset about missing out on that slice. And if anything, it frees them up to play more bigger things in the slots that Hamilton would have had. Um and so, yeah, I think I think that's one part of it. Um, you know, some people are saying that Hamilton probably maybe makes a hundred million. Some are being really optimistic and says two hundred million uh, domestically. Regardless, you know, um, whichever the case, it's not going to be like a super super huge windfall um, for for theaters here. Again, this is definitely a Disney Plus play. They kind of knew that coming in that like, okay, this isn't something that they're trying to do to improve the theater experience do this is kind of like a play for Disney and they kind of accept that right um, and the other part is Disney has made it very clear um, that they're going to be keeping their biggest films in theaters first and you know and they and they don't see it as a loss right um, like like if, if Disney has said that they're definitely going to be running Mulan uh, and Black Widow coming up and so that gives the theaters confidence like okay Disney you're doing taking this smaller film out as long as we get the big ones that's fine right whereas Universal in their verbiage when they initially kind of made that announcement they were like oh yeah anything's on the table to be able to do this anything's fair game um, that kind of that's I think that kind of messaging delivery is what rubbed uh, theater owners the wrong way Um 
Now, there is, of course, a more cynical interpretation of why theater owners aren't saying I mean, raising a hullabaloo about this. Uh, it's you know, given the fact that you know Disney dominates the top ten in any given movie year, um, and you know that Disney made thirteen billion dollars at the global box office, whereas Universal made only three point six billion at the global box office. Um, huge numbers, but in comparison, Disney's definitely the much bigger dog here. Uh, you don't want to piss off Disney by making a huge ruckus, and you know, I think the truth is somewhere in between this more cynical approach that you know they're kind of slaves to the mouse and they can't really do anything to speak up um, versus like the oh yeah no Disney is fine we're chill we don't have any qualms about it I think you know obviously I think AMC would like to have had the first shot at getting um, Hamilton in theater getting a cut of that revenue which obviously they're going to see a reduced you know revenue because people might not go to theaters to see Hamilton now that they can get it on Disney Plus um, but you know I think that they realize that you know they can't really. Hamilton is not the fish to there's not the hill to make a stand uh, stand on to die on against Disney. Uh, now, if a bigger film like Black Widow or Avengers start try to do that, you know, then you would see um, movie theater story get very annoyed um, and very upset. But I think you know Hamilton is small enough fry, especially in the context of what Disney could bring to these. Uh, to these movie uh, theater owners that they're not going to raise ruckus over this. Um, again, Artemis Files is the perfect example of this. They pulled that. No one said it here over the fact they would not be able to see Artemis Fowl in theaters. Uh, side note, speaking of in-theater release dates, uh, Disney slash Fox has announced the New Mutants uh, new release date. So the saga continues. Uh, new Mutants will be getting an August 28th release date. Uh, for those keeping track at home, that's the fifth release date over two and a half years. Uh, we'll see if this one sticks. I honestly don't know what, which way it'll go. If it does stick, I'm definitely going to be seeing that, assuming theaters are open near me. Um, anyway, back to Disney. And again, speaking of Disney+, Plus, there are some other interesting numbers to come out over this past year um, that kind of shows why Disney is all in on getting more stuff to, to Disney+. Plus. Um, an analyst by the name of Simon Murray forecasts that by 2025, so five years from now, uh, Disney+, Plus will have 202 million users. Uh, for context, his most recent estimate, you know, before all this happened, this was back in uh, February, was that Disney would be at 126 million dollar uh, subscribers by then. So definitely, you know, something like an 80 is 75, 80 million uh, user increase between you know those three months. Probably because people just started adopting it more because of coronavirus. Um, you know. Uh, and you know when in the, the service initially launched uh, five six months ago in November, uh, he had estimated five years would get us at 101 million. So you know he's doubled his estimate in that time period. Um, between coronavirus and Disney having great stuff on there, um, you know for context, currently Disney Plus has 50 million users worldwide. Um, so that's going to quadruple in the next four years. Um, another 50 million ish uh, year over year, uh, every year. A separate study from you know the the group uh, Media Partners Asia estimated this the Disney Plus would get a hundred million users in India alone by 2025. Uh, currently, India has about eight million subscribers. Um, now, I think part of this is because there's this service called Hotstar, which has a lot of the cricket and sports uh, that you can bundle with Disney Plus for a pretty reasonable price. Um, so that is where um, you know that's why it's so popular in in India. Uh, in comparison, uh, Murray, uh, the first forecaster, also predicted that Netflix in 2025 uh, will have between 238 and 258 subscribers. And they'll, so they'll be top dog in terms of the streaming war, though Disney will definitely make up the distance according to Murray. Uh, currently, Netflix sits at 182 million. So, you know, that's about, you know, 
uh, 50 to 70 million more users over the next five years, um, which given that you know they've saturated the market and, and kind of are the name in streaming at this point, um, you, you would expect that growth to slow down. Uh, Murray also puts Amazon at 141 million, which previously before he, he boosted Disney's numbers to 202, uh, Amazon uh, was number two, but now they're number three in his 2025 rankings. And then finally, he predicted that HBO Max uh, which launches later this month, I think on the 27th, 28th, um, would have 25 million users in five years. Now, that's pretty bad, actually, just because, you know, in comparison, at least. Now, that lower numbers has a number of factors behind it. Um, for one, um, HBO has a uh, $15 price point, whereas Disney Plus uh, has an $8 uh, per month price point. Um, and the other fact is that HBO Max generally would probably be US only as opposed to worldwide uh, due to the number of international distribution deals that HBO has. So they can't really distribute internationally a lot of the content. You know, obviously, that's HBO Max launches in, what, two weeks at this point, a little 10 days or something. Um, so we'll keep an eye on whatever announcements they have regarding how many people have subscribed and how, much, uh, how many people have signed up for HBO Max. On the other hand, we can all laugh and point at Quibi, uh, which only in the you know month or so since it's launched, um, I guess month, two months, uh, has had 3 million downloads, uh, about half of which are active users. So um, they are definitely not going to get you know uh, 25 million anytime soon. Um, there are a lot of problems here, which I won't go into super in-depth, um, but just the highlights, there's a pending lawsuit, uh, privacy breaches, a really mismanaged set of product features, um, and, you know, the fact that this is like a mobile on-the-go streaming service that they meant to market when everyone's at home, so might as well watch on your TV, which this service can't do. Um, you know, they do have the convenient coronavirus excuse, but, you know, we'll see how long that works for them. I don't expect Kibi to last maybe a year. We'll see. Um, this is like $1.8 billion. Uh, you know, on the other hand, HBO Max was $4 billion, so we'll see. Uh, or it will be $4 billion. Um, anyway, shifting from streaming news uh, to more in-theater news, um, there was some brief excitement about, uh, you know, right after I put out my episode last week, that AMC might get acquired by Amazon. Um, now, I could do a show at some point about the whole history of movie studios owning theaters. I kind of touched upon it briefly in the past. There's a whole legal thing going on here. But suffice to say, uh, without more concrete news about Amazon potentially acquiring AMC, I'm going to be pretty skeptical. Um, I doubt Amazon would want to take on $6 billion in debt that AMC has, even if their market cap is only $650 million. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, let's see. Other news was a poll from Morning Consult saying that 46% of people want to keep movies in theaters first before coming to streaming, uh, while 40% want to collapse the theatrical windows and have movies come out both streaming and in theaters at the same time, which is pretty scary for uh, theater owners if you think about it. Um, just the way that people are perceiving the way content to be consumed, um, but more people do want to keep it in theaters, so I guess that, that's a plus side for them. Uh, this poll was done before the whole Trolls World Tour situation, so we'll see if that changes if they do this poll again in the future. Uh, in a weekly tenant watch, uh, Christopher Nolan's summer blockbuster has not yet moved from its July 17th date. Uh, Warner has also not yet moved Wonder Woman from August uh, its August date, and Disney has not yet moved Mulan from July 24th. Now, there's some logic here um, that, you know, even if theaters do have reduced capacity, that really only affects uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, maybe. Uh, because, you know, most of the time during the week, you know, most of Monday through Friday afternoon, um, when people are at work, um, or it's a work, or they you know they have school the next day or whatever, um, and on you know middle of the day on Saturday, people are out and about, um, you know, 
theaters already were not, you know, un- unless you were Avengers Endgame, uh, most theaters were not operating at 100% capacity. Most were already about, like, maybe half full, um, especially during the week. This is why they had, like, you know, AMC had the $5 Tuesdays. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't see... Presumably, you wouldn't see that much loss. Now, the question here is: Will enough? Will people be willing to come out at the same rate they were before and fill it at fifty percent capacity, or what was previously fifty percent capacity would go down to maybe twenty five percent capacity? We don't know that yet. Um, Disney seems to think that there was pent up demand, and you know they want to be one of the first people out of the gate whenever these you know stay at home restrictions on movie theaters uh, staying closed ends up being lifted. Um, same same with Warner Brothers, and again, Warner Brothers also has to keep. Uh, uh, you know Christopher Nolan happy, um, and the other thing is that you know even if you're operating at fifty percent capacity, because there are so few movies going to be coming out at least for the first couple of weeks, these films will dominate theaters box office. And where we usually see a pretty high drop off, like you know you start at say a hundred dollars in week one, week two you're seeing like a forty percent, fifty percent drop down to fifty dollars per week, and just drops week over week. You could see something like maybe a, a really leggy run where drops are either very low maybe you drop from 100 to instead of starting at you know 100 uh you you maybe start at like 50 percent but you start at 50 percent then you know you end up uh, maybe next week instead of dropping down 50 percent to 20 dollars or 25 dollars you end up going from 50 to 48 dollars to 46 dollars and you know because people will be coming out and these theaters are in theaters for so long and there's not a lot of competition from other movies these, these movies, if they come out early and they stay in theaters for a long time, could end up making the box office revenue that they do need to make um, and have very strong legs. Man, it's it's really weird to actually be talking about legs and drops again just because we've been so starved for box office numbers. But, you know, there you go. Uh, one thing I could see happening, actually, though, if, you know, uh, July 17th is too soon to open, maybe August ends up being a better date. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, could move... Um, Tenet to Wonder Woman's uh, August spot, and then Wonder Woman moves to December, probably bumping Dune. Um, and but you know, if Dune does limited release in theaters for Academy and awards consideration, and ends up releasing wide in January, kind of like 1917, I think I could work out well for Dune. And that's, I think I said that before in the show, but I really hope that's what they do end up doing. Um, currently, you know, just checking out on which. Uh, where both these are open, uh, New York is still closed. Um, the stay-at-home orders are currently extended to June 13th, uh, with no date for movie theaters planning on opening again. Uh, California doesn't have any set dates for movies to open, though there is speculation that you know early June might be a good date for that they might be opening up again. Uh, Massachusetts, which is granted a smaller market than New York and LA, does have Boston. Um, it's set to open re theater reopen theaters at July 19th, uh, and then internationally, New Zealand reopened this past weekend um you know in any case uh that brings us to the end of the box office news box office concept um we have really more of news than than concept here this episode this episode um as usual no top five for in theaters uh until we get movie theaters open again which i pray comes soon um so here's what i've been watching as i mentioned at the top of the show i did watch scoob uh, again fun way to pass 90 minutes especially if you don't think about it too hard and you know jokes were, some jokes were actually pretty funny um and it was great to hear the old library of Hannah barbera sound effects being utilized um, aside from that, I have started watching Steven Spielberg films uh, for my other podcast, Filmography in Focus. Um, I started off with his short film Amblin, uh, which is the namesake of his production company. Uh, pretty interesting. It's a short film, completely no dialogue, um, about a bunch of hippies wandering around in the desert. Um, and then I watched the classic Joss, which I actually never seen in full. Uh, my only real relationship with that film growing up 
was going to Universal Studios when I was a kid and seeing the giant Jaws uh, statue. And when I was much younger, when they still had the ride, the Jaws boat ride. Um, anyway, coming up this week, it will probably definitely be more Spielberg films. Um, but I also will be watching the Issa Rae Kumail Nanjiani film Lovebirds that was supposed to come out in theaters and then ended up getting picked up uh, by Netflix um, for streaming. So, yeah, uh, that's what we'll be watching this week. Um, and with that, that wraps up this week's Watts. Uh, if you have any feedback or suggestions for box office concepts to cover, shoot me an email at boxofficewattspodcast at zmo.com or on Twitter at BOWattspodcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. If you can leave us a review on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com, that would be super helpful. Links in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in this episode come from thenumbers.com or intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninjaboy Media. And until next time, remember, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. See you guys.